Dr. Luck. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Dr. Homebrew. Welcome, 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 everybody. We have a good show for you today. This is Dr. Homebrew, and what we're going to be doing is talking about homebrew that is in cans. And I don't understand it. I still don't understand it. We had one on the other show. I didn't understand it then. Well, I don't know what makes you think I understand it now, but here we are. 2019, I still don't get things. I've had homebrew in cans before. I actually have a canner in my garage, but it's not mine, so... But I'm allowed to try it out if I want. <laughs> you have a canner in your garage that's not yours, so you've stolen it. I've, no, it oh. was brought back from the Northern California Homebrewers Festival. My friends won it, and my other friend said that he would haul it for them. And then they weren't at the last meeting that we had for our club, the Mad Zymergists. Uh-huh. And so I, I inherited it for a brief while. Okay, so, are you going to so, try it out? I'd like to. Do it. I, I kind of need to clean my garage first. Yeah. <laughs> it's a freaking disaster zone. I just went camping. and Look, dude, cleaning's overrating. Uh, overrated. But if you're going to do it, you should use five-star chemicals. They bring you this show, and they also bring you the ability to clean and sanitize your home brewing equipment or anything else you might want to clean uh, and sanitize or clean. Including cans. Including cans. You can do all of that. Check them out, 5starchemicals.com. They're a big, big, and I, I cannot stress this enough, a big supporter of the Brewing Network, this show in general, and home brewing. They're just uh, they're very nice people, and um, you know they don't come down too hard on us when... Uh, mm. When, when I talk? When Brian talks, yeah. Well, actually, I have some notes for you. <laughs> but, good. Uh, I yeah, I'm just kidding. You know what else PBW is good for? But tell me. Uh, tea. Right, so beer's not the only beverage I love. I love beer, I love wine, I love tea. Okay. Right? I have this thing, it's like... I don't a, know, you tell me. Yeah, it's like this, uh, it's like a pint glass, but it's like a cylinder, and there's like a stainless steel uh, screw top to it. So what you do is you put loose tea in, put some hot water in there, and then you can drink it without having to pull the, the loose tea out. Mm-hmm. And it's really good because like some tea, you can just kind of uh, pour some more water in, get a hot mm-hmm. beverage during the day. But the thing gets really stained over time. Is that all the tea, and you use, you use it over and over again. Yeah. PBW, man, you put that stuff in there, let it soak for you know, an hour or so, pour that out. It's like it's it's like crystal clear. It, it's yeah. ama- that container is amazing. The stainless steel is totally clean. Mm-hmm. It's good for so much stuff. So you're saying you have high tea? Uh, well, you have high have tea, and you want to have low, you want to low have lower tea, high tea, tea medium yeah. tea. <laughs> I have tea any pretty much any time of the day. Because I mean, I know there are pills to take for low tea, but I don't know if there's <laughs> pills to take for high tea. If this were any normal brewing network show, we'd be making tea bag jokes by now. That's true, but <laughs> that's it's a, not that's a good point. Uh, I've always wanted this tea instead. I've always wanted this show to be different from the other brewing network shows, uh, mainly because. I don't know. Ball sack jokes are weird. Yeah. Uh, Let's take a quick break, everybody. We're going to gather our beer supplies. We're going to do a homebrew, and then we're going to take another break, and then we're going to do a fest beer commercial calibration. Very excited for these because I get to drink free commercial beer, uh, which is good for me. All right. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. Let me grab this can. I'm unaware. I'm uh, unprepared. I said specifically that I wasn't going to do this, and I and I did it. Well, it was a long and refreshing break that we had just there, so uh, you know, probably understandable. You forgot that. Uh, yeah, that's that true. That's true. I hope everybody enjoyed all the advertisements. <laughs> I'm always focused on uh, on just kind of moving the show forward. That I sometimes forget 
what to do okay. Here's <laughs> in that the can. aftermath. We're going to open the can. All right. Let me get Herbert on the phone That's here. sound. And uh, we'll chat with him. I just, I don't know, man. Canning your homebrew has got to feel, if I still homebrewed, it would feel pretty good. You know what I mean? I don't know. The bottles well, always feel a little weird to me. And heavy. I feel like, yeah, really? well, I feel like, uh, you know, canning your homebrew is sort of like just that, that next step that you never thought you would get, like, uh, like cell phones, like small corking, cell phones. You know corking I mean? your Belgian <laughs> bottles or you, if yeah, you make wine, like that, sure. a corked and foil-wrapped wine bottle. Yeah, yeah, but on, like, another level, right? Like uh, like we're living in the future? Like, like it's a warp drive of homebrewing? Like the, like the first color TV. You guys probably remember <laughs> when you guys had black and white TV yeah. and then suddenly color TV was there. You guys remember that. <laughs> I remember in 1974, my dad walking up the, the walkway into the house from the driveway See? with a brand new portable TV, which probably weighed 70 pounds and had that handle on top. It was probably like a 14-incher. Yeah. Uh, and that thing, man, we were living in the future. It was oh, amazing. Man. See? So you do know. Uh, Herbert, are you there? Yeah, what's up, guys? Hey, what's going on, dude? Yeah. Not much, man. We're talking about the scientific marvel of uh, canned homebrews. Yeah, I remember that oh, yeah. no. <clears throat> the, we got the 19-inch color TV, and that was pretty big at the time. Hell yeah. And well, then yeah. my brother and I inherited the black and white TV for our Atari 2600. <laughs> and you couldn't see anything on it, but it was, you know. But you had your own we TV. We had a video dude. game in our house. Yeah. Like, that oh, was, we had a 2600 in, like, 1982, and that yeah. was the shit, man. Hell yeah. All right, Herbert, what's <laughs> going on, dude? How's your homebrew? How long have you been homebrewing, man? Herbert. Let's talk about your homebrew. I've been brewing uh, pretty obsessively for the, about three years now. Okay. That's pretty yeah. good, man. Are you in a homebrew club, or are you doing this obsessive brewing on your own? On my own. Very nice. Yeah. Where, where do you live? I don't, I don't, where, I, I don't, don't need like, your street, house number, yeah. but like, uh, what city and state are you in? Uh, I live in uh, Chino Hills, California. Oh, cool. Not too bad. Not too bad. And uh, so we're drinking a Munich Hellas from you. Is this the first time you've attempted such a beer or a recipe you're working on? This is actually the fourth time I've brewed it and the only time I was actually pretty happy with it. Okay. All right. Would you feel that it's it's getting better or hit or miss? Because when, like... The reason I ask, it sounds like a dumb question, but whenever I would brew the same recipe over and over again, or at least try to refine it, some sometimes sucked. <laughs> and so, like, I feel like I would be taking a step backwards in how I was brewing. Um, yeah, that's exactly how I felt. Like, the second time I brewed it, I was like, oh, well, I took another step back. And the third time I brewed it, I felt like I took another step back. Yeah, dude. <laughs> third time's not the charm. Damn it! So then, that, You're not the only one. That third time compared to this, uh, you're feeling pretty good. Yeah, definitely. Hell yeah, dude. All right, well, Brian Cooper, why don't you start us off with Herbert's beer? and um, We're feeling pretty good here, too, because we already recorded one show a little bit ago, and uh, this is the second show of the night here. This is where we get get squirrely and have some fun with things. So, Commercial Cal coming after this is the only homebrew on the show. It's the only show where we've had a only canned homebrew on the show, no bottled homebrew on the show. (laughs) So, you're a star, Herbert. Thank you. All right. I'm getting in the nose um, a whiff of uh, pretty fairly strong sulfur at the at first, but it actually blows off somewhat after pouring. When I open the can too, I got a little blast of sulfur, and I was quite a, you know like a foot below my nose. But it, there's a, there's a little bit of uh, I would say some DMS going on in here, but um, that's allowable in the style to, to a certain degree. It's maybe a little bit high for the style, but um, uh, after that blows off, you get a nice low bready malt and faint herbal hop um it doesn't seem super sweet either here um you know it shouldn't be a you know sweet bomb but it does you know in the guidelines it does mention that that sweetness should be a little aspect of it or it can be a little uh, nice little aspect of it that you get that that sweet german uh pills malt note in the nose and and then in, in, again in the flavor um but you did a nice job lagering here you're getting rid of the the bad stuff that you don't want the, the diacetyl the acetaldehyde and that, that DMS is at kind of a medium, medium low level. It's not insane. So uh, there's no obvious esters here. It's it's uh, cleanly lagered. You did what you needed to do there, and um, you know it smells inviting. So um, they can sometimes lead towards that a little sulfury side. But I think getting too high on that will detract a little bit from the other uh, aromas you want there. And uh, appearance-wise, it's, a, it's a kind of a lighter yellow color, almost dark straw. 
uh, with a white head, um, excellent clarity, and the head persists quite well. It laced, laced the glass, and as we were drinking the, the sample that we judged earlier, it just clung to the sides of the glass, uh, kind of a, a static cling effect here. And it has been pretty dry here, and when I take my clothes out of the dryer, it's really um, <laughs> crackly. Um, so I, I don't know if it has anything to do with that. Probably not. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty much in line with style for appearance, albeit a little bit light. Um, you know, it should be kind of yellow, like yellow colored or uh, or kind of, you know, yellow to, to light gold. But it's kind of light yellow. Uh, but that's okay. I'd still give it four points for appearance. It looked really nice. Um, flavor-wise, pleasantly malty, um, but again, lighter than, uh, than Hope, just a bit. I'm getting you know, kind of you know a nice pills malt character, but kind of a wateriness to it on the edge of that. Uh, but it should be a refreshing beer. So that's you know it's it's definitely not not horrible by any stretch of the imagination here. Clean lager profile uh, is evident here. You know, low bitterness is out of the way. Um, it's balanced to the malt. There's just enough just enough hop there to balance it too. I would say uh, just a faint herbal floral hop in the in the background. Not much bitterness. Um, and it finishes semi-dry, just a touch of sweetness, not not a whole lot. Um, but also getting some of that that uh, medium low DMS in the in the flavor here too, the little sulfuriness. And I don't know if that's you know pulling the sweetness back a little bit or interfering with it in some way, but it's you know it's there. Um, it's it's really not way out of line or anything at all. It's just it's noticeable. Uh, but again, no diacetyl, no no real bad stuff going on here. So so it's a nice clean lager. Uh, mouthful wise, pretty close to where you want it to be. It's I would say medium light bodied. You maybe want it maybe to, more towards medium, but uh, you know no warmth. It's it's actually fairly smooth. Uh, nice medium carbonation, bordering maybe towards medium high. No astringency, and uh, you know it's just a, a bit light on the palate overall. It just needs a little bit more body. And be right there, but um, you know, it's, it's somewhat creamy, smooth, smooth beer as it should be. It's a smooth drinking beer. You want another sip as soon as you you drink some of it. That's that's what this is about. So, um, give it a four for mouthfeel out of five. And uh, you know, overall, I'd say it's a very very nicely brewed Municellus. Seems to be just a bit on the lighter side, which leaves it lacking that that hint of multi sweetness that you that you want. Um, but it's still very, very smoothly drinkable and uh, obviously nicely, nicely lagered, super refreshing. I would just, if you could find a way to back off on that, that DMS and maybe just bring up the body and the, the sweetness just a touch. I'm talking really subtly. Yeah, dude. I'd like to know, you know what the starting gravity on this was and where it finished when we get to the recipe and stuff. Um, just kind of see if it's if it is on the lighter end for the style, or if I'm just off my rocker and I'm just drinking too many <laughs> drinking too many IPAs and big beers, and it just tastes light to me because I'm having you know when you spend it's funny when you spend time in Germany and you, you really you know go down to Munich and you drink the beers and then you come back, everything that you've been used to tasting here tastes so different, and it's like mm. oh man, the beers here are so hoppy all of a sudden, like what is going on? I'm just used to the nice malty beers and. But I get used to them again. It's it's fine. But uh, it's it's good to go to a beer like this and and uh, remember a little bit of uh, you know what it's like to be over there. That's right. So I gave it a thirty-seven. I like the beer. Okay, very quite good. A, quite a bit. Brian Shar. Yeah, I liked it a lot uh, as well. Uh, I largely uh, echo what uh, what Cooper said. I liked that sort of hit of sulfur in the aroma at the beginning. I gave it nine out of twelve for mm-hmm. aroma. Because when you're drinking a lager, I mean, I, I really want that, that. That's like the signal that, hey, I'm drinking a lager, right? And it's too much is a, is, isn't good. But to me, this has got not an excessive amount of sulfur at the beginning. Yeah. It wasn't super over the top. It was just to the point where I was like, any more and it's going to be a little, okay, that's that's a lot of DMS. But it's, yeah. yeah just exactly. But I, I got some breadiness, um, low spice, kind of uh, noble hop. Uh, no off aromas. The the bread aroma, it's weird. Usually aroma gets more intense as it warms up. To me, the bread kind of goes away as it warms. It kind of blows off a little. Uh, appearance, I gave it three out of three. And I want to talk just for a second about something that came up on the uh, the session. Uh, I was catching up on the archives. There was an episode of the session maybe a, a couple of months ago uh, with the NHC winners. And there was some discussion about... Uh, you know, hey, appearance, it's a gimme, three out of three. 
Even Justin was joking about, hey, Brian and Brian are in, just outside the door. are going to have them come in and talk about, about appearance. Uh, and, you know, appearance really isn't a gimme. It, in, in some ways, it sounds like it should be because, hey, how hard can it be to get color, uh, clarity, and head? But, you know, like Brian was talking about, he thought it was maybe a little bit light in color. Uh, arguably it was, but it's kind of a judgment call if it's enough to take a point off. Kind of the rule of thumb is one point color, one point clarity, one point head. And, you know, judges are all a little bit different uh, about this. It's true. But to me, you know, as long as it's in the ballpark, I'll, I will give the point. Color, I won't deduct the point unless it's way off, you know, it's way too dark or way too light for style. Uh, clarity, if it's a little hazy and it's supposed to be clear, that's fine. You know, if there's floaties or something obvious, yeah, that's definitely uh, going to be a uh, minus a point. Uh, I think I take it, it back. Actually, this I'm looking at a, at a color color chart here. This is probably about a, a two and a half or a three. It's a little bit on the yeah. lighter end for the style, but probably in. Yeah. It can go from uh, go to three to five, so it's close to th- to three or so, three and a half. Yeah, and that's it's an excellent intro. My 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 last point here. Was it color? Is it so subjective, right? <laughs> right? Color and head are both really subjective, and I think a lot of people don't fully understand what the color ranges are. And I don't fully understand because who am I like sitting oh, I over know. here calling a half point on SRM? I like well, yeah, no, <laughs> can you detect a half point on SRM? I probably can't. I'm just I'm calling it just to make myself feel better. Well, exactly. It's not just that either. It's, it depends. Color, especially in a lighter beer, depends so much on how much of it's in your glass. And your environment and the, the size of the exactly. glass. Yeah. It's so hard to get right. Uh, and then the uh, the head, I think there's a lot of confusion about what head really means. I mean, a, a large, uh, persistent yeah, I mean, head. I, I can tell you. Well, yeah, maybe uh, you're, you're a lucky yeah. man. Uh Persistent head doesn't mean that you got a centimeter of foam on top of the glass or on top of the liquid the whole time you're drinking it. That's not persistent head. I mean, I'm looking at this, and it's there's not? like around... No. Mm-hmm. I mean, this right here, I wish we had the video uh, going today. This ring around the glass where you have some bubbles, and there's maybe a couple, of, a couple three millimeters of bubbles around yeah. the liquid on the rim of the glass or the edge of the mm-hmm. glass here. That's persistent head. With the with the center having like a little bit of residual, but you can still see the color yeah. of the beer underneath. Exactly. Right? It doesn't have to be this blanket of foam that lasts the whole time you're drinking it. No beer can have that. Yeah. Because of your saliva the oils and stuff. From your, yeah. yeah, mouth and your yeah. It, it'll never happen. So there's subjectiveness and I think there's also some misunderstanding out there sometimes about what head means. And how you kind of figure out what color is. So this is why it's not a gimme. And these are the, you know, there, there are subjective factors that enter into this as well as that objective. This is, uh, uh, you know, a, this Pilsner shouldn't look like a stout, right? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. So that's maybe where, where some of that. So I, I uh, pardon the digression. Uh, but this beer, three out of three, it's crystal clear. You can read through this. Uh, at the beginning, the head, there's a big foamy head at the beginning, and the head is very persistent on this. Very light gold color, very pretty. Uh, I won't, uh, uh, everything else, your flavor, I, I, essentially the same flavor comments that Brian had, 14 out of 20. I used all my time talking about appearance. So I'm well, not you you said you wanted me. to talk about mm-hmm. appearance. Yeah, we'll and talk you said, about it a little bit. You're very shallow. You said you wanted to talk about entitled brewers who enter the beer <laughs> competition <laughs> and complain that they don't get a three every time. That's these right. kids these days get these participation appearance trophies. And yeah, I'm not that kind <laughs> of old man yet. Give, give me about five years, Brian. Okay. Uh, mouthfeel, four out of five. Can echo what Brian had said. Overall impression, nine out of ten. This is a really tough style to brew. It sure I, is. I think it's tough for several reasons. A, yeah. it's tough because it's a lager. B, it's tough because as Americans and as home brewers, we want to put a lot of hops in stuff, typically. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy, even if you don't want to put a lot of hops in a beer, Hellas has hop bitterness. It has a little hop flavor. But it's really easy just to inadvertently go over the top and push this into Pilsner territory. Uh, and then once you're sure. in Pilsner territory, I mean, Pilsner typically in America, I mean, I like it kind of overhopped classically. I am an American. Uh, but Pilsner tends to be, you know, the ones that metal tend to be the ones that are firmly bitter. I think that is a good point because especially if, you know, in the, the newer crop of homebrewers, 
maybe like herb here, I don't know, uh, where you put in you know an ounce of hops for the whole beer, as an example. Mm-hmm. Instantly you go, that's not enough. Yeah. Something has to be wrong. I should add more because I do the same shit <laughs> yes. with, with grain. And that's part of the reason why it takes us so long to like nail a recipe down. Those, the people yes. who can get it in one or two times don't have that sort of internal, you know, let's crank this thing and see what happens. Yeah. So the, the balance in this really, really well done. Uh, I give it 39 out of 50. You know, I would uh, uh, pay for a pint of this. Thought it was, was great, especially, you know. Well, I'll send you his PayPal information. Okay. You can. Thank you, Herbert. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, Herbert. Let's talk about your beer, man. Do you have uh, the recipe right. for us by chance? Would you mind dropping I that? I do. In? All right. Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty simple. Actually, I was talking about the lightness. I agree, too. And it, it was because I took the Munich out of it this mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But uh, the recipe is uh, 88% Pilsner, uh, 9% Vienna, and 3% uh, Melanoidin. <clears throat> and I figured with the with the Vienna and the Melanoidin, I can kind of make up for the, the the Munich. But yeah, when I when I pulled it out, I was like, uh, this does look a little light too. So I would the like- last few batches of Hellas I brewed, I just felt like I was a little heavy-handed with the Munich, and I tried to lighten it up, and I still didn't like it. So I figured this time we'll just take it out. Just go really light with the Munich. You don't have to go crazy. But yeah, yeah. brew how you like it though. Yeah, yeah. I'm, the 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 next brew I'll definitely toss in that Munich. Mm-hmm. How much were you tossing in when you were when you felt it was heavy? I don't even remember yeah. to be honest, but the, the beer was was much darker. It looked looked like a almost like a Merzen almost. Yeah. So I was just, uh, yeah, you know. So I figured this time I would just go the other way and just take out the Munich altogether, and just you, to see how, just to start from the bottom and then slowly work my way back up to it. Mm-hmm. Do you recall if you were using the light Munich or dark Munich malt? Light Munich, light Munich. Hmm. Maybe next time, just maybe put in twenty five percent of what you thought was too much. You know, twenty percent next time. Okay. What What do you think, Definitely Brian? Happen. Is that because if, if it was way yeah. too high, you, you take a quarter of that. Well, um, here's what it says for ingredients in the the style guidelines: Continental Pilsner malt, <laughs> traditional German saucer type. Hop varieties, clean German lager yeast. I think that um, instead of you know using tricks like you know melanoid and malt and and uh, and Vienna and Munich, you can just you know spend uh, six hours you know doing a triple decoction mm-hmm. and uh, and do it the right way. <laughs> you know, do a little work. Get enlist some friends to help mm-hmm. you out. Say, hey, we're going to do some fun. Want to stir hot boiling malt? <laughs> For hours? It'll be great. For hours? And uh, I'll give you a beer later? Yeah, it's called honing your craft, Herbert. Maybe you should look no. it up. No, I Ow, I dude. digress. But, yeah, no, I mean, the, the, the things you're doing are a good trick for kind of simulating. If you, I assume you didn't do a triple decoction here, but, um, no. you know. <laughs> Brian, you're a grandmaster. Yeah. You should know you never assume process <laughs> when you're judging a beer. I, 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 I Okay. I just assumed because he was laughing when I made that joke. <laughs> um, well, do you have any questions for the guys, Herbert, or what, maybe the guys? Did you have give the score? Your score? You? Uh, yeah, thirty-nine. Okay, thirty-nine. Yeah, that's yeah. it's right in there. It's uh, a really nice one. Yeah, with the with the DMS, do you think it's just maybe not boiling long enough or hard enough? It doesn't hurt to do. Do you, how how long of a boil are you doing? That was definitely a sixty-minute boil, a full six. Uh, I'm sorry, a ninety-minute boil. Yeah, do a, do at least ninety. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't need to be super rapid either, but it does need to roll. Yeah, get a good full yeah. rolling boil going. Um, just drive off all those. Um, it's it's SMMS is the the DMS precursor, and that's you know if it stays in the beer, it'll convert to DMS. Yeah. But again, it wasn't at an offensive level, really. It was just there, and it, I, I got a good whiff of it when we opened the can, but uh, it, it blew off pretty quickly, and it was back to kind of like okay, this is this is nice. Yeah, I wasn't getting the DMS, so it's right at to me. It's got to be right at that borderline. Uh, but do you, do you cover the kettle when you boil? No, I don't. Okay, so that's that. So you have a way for the the DMS or the SMM to get out. So that's yeah. that's good. 
doesn't even have to be like totally uncovered. Like I would always boil with like a inch gap in the lid, and the lid would kind of help keep the heat in, but there'd be the gap for the stuff right. to get out. And then you had like a vacuum cleaner to suck out all the. <laughs> well, exactly, yes, exactly. My mess precursor. Exactly, just the SMM vacuum. Yeah. <laughs> but with the DMS, like, is is just uh, like let let's just say I I did a sufficient boil, I did a proper boil. What what other steps could I do to prevent anything, uh, any of that DMS to show back up? Is there anything else? Um, even longer boil. <laughs> well, don't, but, yeah. don't, you want, don't you want to cool yeah. quickly? Isn't that That's an issue? increase my color a little, too. Yeah. Don't you want to cool as quickly as possible? Because it's the kind of hovering around like that 180, right. I think, that can cause the you wanna, you know, SMM re, you know, reproduction by the, the malt. You want to pass fairly quickly between the temperature range of like 180 to 140 and get yeah. down into the lower 100s and down to 90s and then to right. pitching temp pretty quickly. So. Okay. If you have a okay. in, inefficient uh, wort um, chiller situation going on, then you know that's that's not going to help your cause. If you're, you know, if you've got a plate chiller and you're dropping it right down, then then you have no problems. <laughs> so. I'm smelling the can right now, and if I uh, well, that came Gross. out wrong. Uh, and if I, it's one of these things where I can kind of talk myself into smelling some DMS now that we're talking about it. Yeah, but that's kind of how malleable the yeah. sense of smell is. Honestly, I think it's more just sulfuriness and not not so much like the corn like DMS. It's not right, yeah, but it's just the sulfuriness. Maybe maybe it's even some a little bit of H two S with some sulfur, you know. But not it doesn't really have a no. It doesn't really have a rotten egg smell. It's right like at that. that boundary of where there would be. It's a very low yeah. DMS to me. Yeah, that makes sense because I think I, I use the um, Imperial. Uh, global strain, I, I believe it's the Weinstephan strain, and I, I heard, I read that it's super sulfury. So yeah, it can be strain dependent too. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, maybe next yeah. time. Is this the the yeast you've always used for your Hellas? Um, yes, actually. Okay, it might be worth. It might be an interesting experiment. The next time you you brew this. To uh, uh, you know, I don't know if you have the capability of doing this, uh, especially when you're doing temp control. You know, break it, you know, do two different fermenters or two different you know, uh, car, you know, carboys or buckets or whatever, and try one yeast with one and one with the other, and just kind of see which one you like better. Try like an imperial, yeah, and try like a different strain from imperial or somebody else or whatever, and just see what you like. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, uh, White, yeah, White Labs makes an actual time. like Munich Helles Lager yeast W L P eight sixty. You know, <laughs> specifically designed for this style. So you try <laughs> yeah, that. I should try that. that. <laughs> mm, so that's homebrewers, man. We want to try whatever. No, man, this is the I'll new hotness. Up, I'm going to try this. I'll mix it up. No, that's why do do multiple yeast. Give it a shot. That's part of the fun of homebrewing. Yeah, Just experimenting. Herbert, anything else? No, everything's pretty pretty oh, yeah. right on because uh, I actually entered this in a competition and got bronze, and the scores were just about mirroring the scores you guys gave. Cool. And they gave about nice. the same exact uh, pieces of advice as well. So Okay, good. Okay. Yeah, it's really nicely lagered. You did a great job there, so keep it up and, and yeah. keep making these. Loggers are hard. Right on. <laughs> yeah, they really yeah, are. Dude. Nothing to hide behind with this beer either. No. All right, man, we'll let you split then. All right, cool. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks, thanks, thanks man. Bye. Right, see ya. Thanks. Yeah, definitely the best homebrew on the show. Awesome. Yeah, that was really good. All right, everybody. It's break time. We're going to come back. We're going to do commercial calibration, oh, no, and then we're going to get out of here. This Dr. Homebrew. We'll be right back. Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The Internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up, you might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. 
Tasty Crack Cakes. The leader in affordable, high-quality kegerators is here. Introducing Comos, the kegerator designed with serious beer drinkers in mind. It features an all-stainless steel draft tower, a major upgrade over traditional chrome-plated brass towers, and Comos keeps your new tower cold with their air-cooled tower fan, wrapping your beer lines in frigid coolness. Your beer is poured from innovative forward-sealing faucets that don't leak, so they stay cleaner for longer. Dual gas inlets on the rear of the fridge allow you to run both CO2 and nitrogen gas. Serve your beer with CO2, serve your kegged wine, or even cocktails with nitrogen. The digital temperature display has the largest range available, allowing you to use the Comos Kegerator for fermentation if you need to. And now Comos Kegerators ship with duo-tight draft fittings for that click-to-connect assembly we've all dreamed of. Buy direct from ComosDraft.com and receive free shipping on your order. That's K-O-M-O-S Draft.com. I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're going to have to pour you out. Back to Dr. Homebrew. Hey, everybody. Wow, Brian. Brian's sassy right now. Yes. We're just talking about uh, the German government owning um, this brewery. Fine shift honor. And it Drum wasn't the, even like an East German brewery. It would have been in yeah. West Germany, right? And it was still state-run. Brian been, pulls it was the, originally Bavaria. The big honking yeah. F-word, dude. Yep. Did it's you the, drop the F-bomb? The German government just... is getting you fucked up. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> they brew yeah. this beer for you, and that's, it's very poundable beer. If you make strong beer for you, yeah. It's a little stronger than, than the typical German yeah, it's beer. 5'8", I believe oh, it five, is. 5'6". Yeah. Yeah, five eight. There you go. Yeah, Brian, See? we were talking before uh, I the, the I break, actually, uh, before the show, that uh, you know you're. I know a little bit about this beer, but I think you're a lot more knowledgeable about like the the subtle differences between the fest beer and like the Meritzen and stuff than than I am. Well, yeah, the, the fest beer is actually a, a fairly um, recent um, invention. It's not. Oh, really? uh, it's not been around forever, but um, yeah, I think it's like. Um, let me. I need to look this stuff up. Well, there was. I, I was. My understanding was this was something that was relatively recent because the the yeah. the folks in Munich that ran Oktoberfest thought that the the was, Meritzen was, was too, too heavy. heavy. Yes, yeah, so the Meritzen style. Yeah, something that. In fact, that was that quote you said. More poundable. The uh, yeah. brewer Apollinar. I'm looking at the style guidelines. Wanted so, a beer that was quote more poundable unquote. Exactly. That doesn't sound like a very German thing to say, though. It really does not. Yeah, I want to view that is more poundable, yeah. Yeah, so the Meritzen style is a malty amber European-style lager that can trace its roots to the, the modern variants all the way back to 1841 when Spaten created the first recipe of the style. Meritzen became the official beer of Munich's Oktoberfests in 1872, a tradition that lasts over 100 years and was replaced by the lighter-bodied, golden-colored Fest beer in the 1990 Oktoberfest. So they they declare an official, you know, beer for the fe- for for Oktoberfest and okay. that year that you know it was it became lighter and more poundable as they say. Mm, they do say that. And uh yeah, formerly the style guidelines the 2008 guidelines uh Oktoberfest as they they called it then um and Meritzen were the same style. But uh, you know that's that's changed now, and uh, they've actually separated them separated them out. So, um, the comparison se- uh, section I think is really illuminating. Uh, we just had that Hellas, so this is more rich in body than a Hellas with more hop flavor and higher alcohol, of course, because Hellas is low hop flavor, low hop bitterness, less intense and less richly toasted than a Meritzen, less rich in malt intensity than a Maybach. So as a Bach is going to be you know, almost always going to be decocted at least once. Uh, it's you know, super malty. Uh, I'm not familiar with this. So malt complexity is similar to a higher gravity Czech premium pale lager. Well, and they kind of lost me on that because I'm not sure I've ever actually had a, a Czech premium, premium pale Czech lager. Well, that's what they used to call Czech Pilsner. Oh, is this like an Urkel? Yeah. I, I I don't know. I would disagree with names, that because this is just. I, I don't know that I would think this is has much in common with an Urkel. Yeah, no, that's, well, a, that's a lot hoppier. Yeah, I mean, and a lot. Yeah, less mineral in the water. 
But but still, I mean, I, I like how this the comparison kind of triangulates between the Meritson and the Hellas and the Maybach. It's kind of in the middle of those those three. Mm-hmm. Let's just go through the fest beer uh, aroma wise. What do you what do you guys what are you gents getting here? Is it malty, rich, or is it uh, hoppy? <laughs> I get the sulfur that I expect. Not yeah. intense, but I get the lager sulfur. I definitely get uh, a, like, the, like a bready malt. And this is definitely yeah. the Weinstefan yeast, which is the yeah. one we were just talking about. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty good, perfumey. Putting a little bit of malt. It's, it smells very fresh. It doesn't smell very, uh, it doesn't smell oxidized or abused at all. Yeah, I think we, we got a pretty good example yeah. here. This, yeah. is, this is nice, actually. Yeah, not really any hop aroma. I mean, if, if it is, it's just it's a really low. And there's a little more, yeah. there's a little toastiness there, like compared to a Munich Hellas or something yeah. else. Yeah, but it's, it's not. It's not super toasty like a, a you know, a Meritzen slash, you know. Right. Um, a richer or a. Or a it's, yeah, when we're talking like bready toastiness, it's not even like a crackery. It's like, like we yeah, use that bready, sometimes. Bready it's not with that. a hint of toast, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. It's like a nice roll of French, like a, like a fresh French baguette or French bread. Fresh baked white and bread. And you're a fresh baked yeah. white bread, kind of that crust of that white bread mm-hmm. that you're getting. Not like like the, the wheat bread or something, but that crust of the white bread, I kind of get that aroma. And then that flavor, okay. too. Yeah. A little bit of biscuitiness, too. Yeah. Clean lager. I mean, it's it's not going to be a fruity smelling beer, um, you know, and a little little herbal or spicy hops in there, um, leaning towards the zotzer, kind of the spicier side of thing, a noble noble hop. Uh, but you could make it with different hops too, and add a little kind of more floral edge to it, or go spicier. But this one's not. I wouldn't go little, like juicier or. Yeah. Kind no. of the new age hops like that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do any of that. Like a citrus thing, but I think it would be weird. Yeah, the hop is kind of background in this one. This is primarily malt. It's it's pretty yeah. malt balanced for sure. Um, but the bitterness is fairly solid too. It's a fairly strong bitterness. So appearance wise, we're looking for a deep yellow to uh, a deep gold color. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is. Pr- I'd say it's a light yellow, really. Yeah, it seems like a light yellow. Yeah, this well, is crystal clear no, it's and like, very light towards- in color. It's getting towards gold. It's not. Hmm. It's not. I would call this straw. You right. Would. When you're talking okay. about the, the, the range of typical descriptors, this is more straw or light straw I think we're, than gold. We're also drinking it in, a, in a kind of a narrow glass, too, so it might look yeah. lighter than it really is. I think in a Agreed. fuller, in a pint glass, or a, especially in the traditional, you know, the Mosstein, uh, it's going to look more golden. Yeah. So we're just we're kind of looking at it in the wrong glass here, and maybe we should, you know, pour full liters of every beer we taste here on uh, Doctor Homebrew so that we get a proper color <laughs> judgment, right. and then just pound them, and you know, uh, and we, fight. Yeah, we were yeah. <laughs> yeah. We fight after this. We were talking about this with regard to the previous beer, right? That color is so tricky because it depends on the vessel that you're drinking it from, as well as how, how the thickness of that liquid in that vessel. You, you, you if I poured another. You know, a three inch. If I filled up this little glass, it's going to look different in color than having like this centimeter or two that's in here. Yeah, and it's it's brilliantly clear. There's no problems there. Nice little bubbles rising off and persistent white uh, foam stand. Um, yeah, it's a really nice looking beer. Uh, flavor wise, you, you're looking for a medium to medium high malty flavor initially, with a lightly toasty bread dough quality. And an impression of soft sweetness. I'd say it has all of that. It's, yeah. it's nice, softly sweet, hundred percent gentle, but hey, you know, pretty malty, <laughs> and uh, but yes. not to the point of like a rich, you know, uh, a darker Meritzen, uh, where you start getting more of that, um, you know, that kind of uh, Maillard kind of flavors and uh, the byproducts of the Maillard reactions and t- more toastiness. Just lightly toasty malt with with a doughy bready uh, quality, and then you know a little bit of sweetness in the finish, but you know still well attenuated, not not a big sweet bomb, and uh, the bitterness is kind of just medium low out of the way, and um, you know balance of the malt, so mm-hmm. um, crisp but not dry is a good way to put it here. Yeah, it's, it's well yeah. attenuated and crisp but not dry. Yes. Um, 
that would be a different animal. So, it, you know, sweetness kind of lingers on your tongue, satisfies you, doesn't just dry completely off, um, and you want another sip still. So it's it's pretty easy drinking. Um, clean lager, you know, it's mostly just mostly pills malt here, but with some some toast going on. And uh, it's not super bitter at all, even for, you know for German standards. <laughs> so I'm talking about IPAs here, but the bitterness mm-hmm. is supporting there. It's just in the background. Hey, let that malt shine. Yeah, and I would to me this is this is really well attenuated, and that sweetness is a perceived sweetness from the Pilsner malt. Mm-hmm. The Pilsner malt does have that perfumey aroma and that sweet taste to it. That even when you, it could be bone dry. This is not, but it could be, you know, you could ferment down to like, you know, zero and you're going to get a perceived sweetness just because that's what that malt kind of tastes like. Right. Even if there's not residual sugar there. Yeah. Yeah. Malt flavor, residual malt flavor. Right. And that flavor, I mean, I tend, I think people tend to perceive it. I tend to perceive it as in in part sweetness. Yeah. When it's Uh a Pilsner malt in particular. Yeah, I mean, Golden Promise does that for me, too. But, yeah, yeah Pilsner Malt, for sure. Well, I also feel that some of the, the sweetness, the perception of sweetness is coming from the alcohol because it's slightly higher in alcohol than most yeah. beers. This is pushing 6%. Most German beers are around 5 mm. and it's, hey, it's a little sweet. But, uh, it's not to the point where we'll get into the mouthfeel, but it's not the point where it's like, oh, I'm getting a big warming sensation here. It's such a smooth beer in the mouthfeel, too. Um, just creamy, smooth, easy, easy flowing down the throat, and there you go. Yep. And enough carbonation to push those nice flavors in there, you know, just kind of medium carbonation. Um, I will talk about the mouthfeel. Just, yeah, medium body, smooth, creamy, mm-hmm. medium carbonation, alcohol strength barely noticeable as warming, if at all. So some of them can have a little edge of warming. And you should know that you're drinking an alcoholic beverage, but not to the point mm-hmm. where... Oh wow! I feel it all the way down. This is an alcoholic, <laughs> right? You know, bomb. It burns. No, you uh, should never have that from a beer. Yeah, yeah. They they keep the you know. There's no fusels or anything in here. Just so from a beer or a date. Right. <laughs> Neither one. If you have both at the same time, you're having a really bad night. Mm. Yeah, this is very enjoyable. Uh, overall impression: smooth, clean, pale German lager with a moderately strong multi flavor and a light hop character. Um, you know the balance you're looking for is between the the strength and the drinkability. They're they're playing a balancing act here, like getting it up a little higher than than the most usual ones, and um, you know getting people happy and festive in that time of year uh, when the fall is getting in. The nights are getting dark, uh, getting crisper and darker and um, colder, <laughs> and it's something to warm you up a little bit, but not to the point where you're just <laughs> right. And you can drink a couple liters and still stand up, you know. So. Uh, all good. Not three, though. Well, maybe no. four. Well, maybe yeah. four. Depending like on your, after three. your body weight and how much food you put in your mm-hmm. system. Uh, mm-hmm. Three is just fine. I've had three three liter steins. At, yeah, if you uh, have four, yeah. Half Pro House before. Mm. <laughs> when you go to four, that starts to turn into a different mm-hmm. kind of a night. All right. Well, so let's score it. What do we think? Compared to the style, how does the Weinstefaner Fest beer hold up? This, I would say this is one of the best commercial examples of a beer that we've we've had that's in the the best condition for how far it's um traveled mm-hmm. and um i would call this mid 40s honestly it's exactly what i want almost it's yeah. like what could you do to make this beer better not a whole lot um <laughs> get it fresher maybe yeah i was yeah. going to call this maybe a 45 and clearly this has been transported uh in transported cold mm. because mm-hmm. you, you can get you know, everyone's familiar with the containers that go on the container ships and the railroad cars. You can transport goods in those. As There are refrigerated containers that are that size, and they're actively cooled the whole time. They're expensive. I don't know the details. They must plug into something. You know, Clearly, it's not just the container, but the utilities you have to have on there while you're transporting stuff. But for something like this beer... It clearly was handled well all the way from oh, Bavaria sure. to here. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's a, a great there's a great beer store in Redwood City. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just beer store; it's a, a grocery store, German store, beer store, and bar called Haus Stout. And they've always had really great German beer that clearly has come here. You know, FedEx or refrigerated container or something. And it's usually pretty fresh. So 
that's kind of the key to these beers, finding a retailer and, and someone that understands the supply chain and uh, takes you and, and takes good care of the beer really makes a huge difference. And that's, yeah. you know, we got this here from the, the Hop Grenade, to give a plug to uh, our, our hosts here at the, the Hop Grenade. Whoever sourced this did a, or if it's just pure accident that came through like this, it's just really well taken care of. So your scores are 45. Yeah, scores are 45. <laughs> Same here. I'll stop talking now. Uh, yeah, I was thinking this whole time 42. 42. For some reason, stuck yeah. kind of in the thing. And, and and for me, honestly, there is a, there is a, a, a bitterness. There is a, a bite to it that I do kind of take in as just the travel. I don't know if it's an accentuated bitterness that I would imagine is not in there. Slightly metallic, maybe, but um, I don't know. It's 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 almost it's it almost is hopped like Urkel style, where like a, like a German pills, where it has an, a sort of a more aggressive bitterness than. Than I would that I would like. I would like a little more malty, but I don't. Again, I don't know if that's just the way it was treated. Because I guarantee you, it wasn't stored cold the entire time. There's I, no way. I think it's the ethanol. Mm, okay. I, in the in the flavor, I get really? a tiny bit of ethanol. Not a lot. It's not a mm. fusel. It's not sharp. I get a little ethanol sweetness, okay. and I wonder because that that can be a little bitter at the same time. And I wonder. Okay. If that's maybe what's increasing a perception yeah. of spiciness, do you or guys bitterness. get that what I'm talking about too? Or I, I get a little, but I yeah. attributed that to it being like Brian was saying. It's like a little higher alcohol beer, and with yeah. it not being like as full malty uh, flavor wise, like a Maybach or something, that alcohol is going to come through a little more. So I don't know. What, what do you think, with Brian? The, Am I the, imagining things? Yeah, or? with the medium carbonation and pushing six percent, it is. A little bit of a not you know it's a smooth smooth beer but it's it's a little bit of a bite to it in mm-hmm. the just the alcohol and the you know and there there is some you know spicy floral hop in there too but I don't I don't think it's too hoppy by any stretch of the imagination okay. yeah you know that's a very good beer but another another quick point is just it's kind of fun is you know they call it fest beer in the guidelines because. Basically, any beer, and you know, German can be a little anal retentive, as as you all well know. Of course, that's just a stereotype, I suppose. But sure. we, they, they, the BJCP chose to call this style fest beer, since by German regulations, Oktoberfest beer is a protected appellation, and that's only for oh. beer that's brewed there to be drank there in the I, city limits of Munich. Yeah, I didn't want to go down the IP rabbit hole of this, but uh, I can start talking about that. If, no way, we, <laughs> well, no, we, don't we don't have that really much have time. time. Yeah. We call this here. This is fest beer. We here. have another hour right. to talk about appellations and things. No. I can. Okay, <laughs> go, go get an Oktoberfest beer if you can, and, mm. and get it. At, you know, that's right. But it's, it's fun to go to Munich any time of the year. You don't have to go during Oktoberfest time. Just go any time of the year, and it's just a very festive, fun. Uh, go to the beer halls there. You'll have a great time. Go to Augustina or go to you know, Hofbräu House. Oh, dude, um, you know what I'm doing next year? This is such a scam, and it's so great. Uh, it's going to be great, I, I hope. Tax-deductible Oktoberfest. There's this <laughs> thing called Bits and Pretzels, mm-hmm. and it's this this tech conference, like TechCrunch Disrupt or something mm-hmm. like that. It's in Munich. It's during Oktoberfest. Oh. So you go, and you meet, like, techie people from U.S. and Europe, and it's three days. Day three is a, quote, networking event. Mm-hmm. And it's all-day networking. They rent an entire tent at Oktoberfest. Oh, and the entire day is networking, drinking beer at Oktoberfest. So I'm like, I, I'm going to go next year. You have to. Nice. Oh, yeah. So I'll report back from this whole thing. So Please it's, do. It's business development. It's legit. Yeah. And I'm yeah. going to go meet a bunch of Europeans. But day three is business development, drinking beer, Talking about how I'm one of the doctors homebrew, and oh yeah, I can write patent applications too. I feel like they should have that event first because on day three you're going to unravel every sort of connection that you make. (laughs) You know what I mean? Not you personally, but like that would be me, where it's like, hey, yeah, we talked about doing some business together, man. Have you seen that chick? I don't know. Then this gets a whole thing. But that sounds like a great idea. Day one, you break the ice with people drinking a bunch of beer. Then two and three is more like. (laughs) 
Yeah, it was nice sorry about Let's that. Let's not yeah. talk about uh, when I pissed the, on your shoes. Let's talk about the East Coast. Yeah, let's talk about the crop dusting. That's right. We're gonna wrap the show up real fast because we do have a little extra time. Um, I was obviously in L.A. in in Anaheim. Whenever I do, I always visit my friends at Eagle Rock, and uh, I always buy a four pack of their German uh, pills or their German lager, uh, German style lager. Uh, forgive me, which oh, I already drank. Um, and then a four-pack of their manifesto, which is uh, wit beer, Belgian-style wit beer. So mm-hmm. I thought I'd bring it along and share it with you guys. And, uh, you know, not necessarily to, like, sit and nitpick about, but just, uh, I don't know, I find I don't really drink wit beers at all, beers, yeah. really. Uh, not a lot of people make them. When I feel like, when they make them, I feel like they're very spiced-heavy mm-hmm. or too sweet or too high alcohol, and I just don't really care about them. But this I just one, thought this was a very yeah. nice, well-rounded version of the style that we don't really see a whole lot of anyway. To me, it leans. this one leans toward the orange peel, and it accents the beer yeah. nicely. And yeah, the coriander, the yeah, yeah I don't a know, little man. Bit of but I, I, I agree. Like blue, like some of them, I'll, I'll call it okay. Blue Moon, too sweet for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ho Garden, of course, or Who Garden? That's like the classic. Mm-hmm. This is really dry, and mm-hmm. I definitely love the uh, the orange peel and the spice on this. Yeah, it's it's good stuff, man. It's my last can. Mm, thank and you I for brought sharing. it for you guys. Appreciate so uh, you are in Anaheim, which are in Anaheim, or where are they? They are in L.A. LA? proper. Yeah. yeah. In Eagle Rock, next to Pasadena, Eagle Rock That's neighborhood. True. That's true. Yeah, right, right next to, almost in Pasadena. Really, I've actually been there like LA. two years ago. It was kind of cool. Yeah. You know, what? I'm also going to give another shout out to Evil Pig Barbecue. It's these people that do hmm. um, fucking like uh, there's another flavored <laughs> flavored pretzels. Sell them at Eagle Rock. I didn't know about them, and then uh, Evil Pig, and Evil they Pig Barbecue. They well, because they were they barbecue. were a barbecue place, ah. and then they did seasonings, and then I guess ah. they started doing pretzels, and the pretzels are like all over SoCal. They're delicious. They buy the pre- I mean, I think they buy the pretzels, and then they just coat them and sell Probably them. Probably cheaper to make than barbecue. Yeah, but it, it's they're so good. If you're ever down in LA and you, and you see them, check them out. Why not? Evil Let's pig. do shout outs. Right. Evil pig Let's give shout outs. You got a shout all out? Right. Let's go. Give me a shout out, Brian. Um. Well, our our Oktoberfest competition is coming up this weekend. We're judging it. There we go. And so, if there are any BJCP judges listening, or or if Brian Shar over there wants to come help us judge <laughs> on Saturday, I already emailed him earlier and, and twisted his arm a little bit. But we'll chat a little later. Um, I have weird stuff going on Saturday, but I I mm. think I can make it. It's a it's the world's smallest German only beer competition, I think. Um, at least this year, we, we you know your chances of, of getting a, a ribbon are very high this year <laughs> if you enter a competition because we slacked and didn't promote it properly. That's right. But uh, it's so fun. We judge it at Bottle Taps in, in Pleasanton that my buddy Eric runs and. He feeds us and gives us good beer, so we like him a lot. And so if, right. if you're listening live, which one of the two people, and you don't already know Brian and I, which is mm-hmm. probably means a subset of zero. Um, come meet us. Yeah, then. come yeah. meet us. It'll be great. We'll have fun. The Sounds good. October, yeah. Brian Shar, quick plug. Uh, quick plug. Uh, Dr. Homebrew, listen wherever you cast your pods. All right, there you good go. show. All right, everybody, thanks a lot for tuning in. We appreciate it very much. Uh, next month, we're going to have more great homebrew for you to listen to us drink. <laughs> so if you want to be on the show, please email brian at thebrewingnetwork.com. It's very simple and very easy, very painless situation. You won't get very many viruses in your computer from his response. I write long emails, too, so if you start a conversation that, with me, yeah. I'll engage. That's true. But um, so you know what would be really funny is if brian at thebrewingnetwork.com randomly went to you or me. Yeah. That'd oh, be yeah. It's Brian with an choose, I. Pick and choose. I can be Brian, too. I still don't want to be an address, but I'm okay sure. with that. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Thank you to our guests for sending in beer, and thank you to Vine Stefaner for all the good love they put in that bottle for us to drink. Do you want to say something, Brian, or am I... We're looking for a few more beers like Herbert Brews. There you go. Thanks for lagering that stuff. Looking for a few good beers and maybe a couple of bad ones. Yeah. Maybe. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. This has been Dr. Homebrew. We'll see you. Prost.